Tennyson is uh, has wears a number of hats. Uh, for one thing, she is the wife of our pastor of family ministry, Zach Carden, who is a multi-talented man uh, and uh, excels in everything from vacation Bible school to college ministry to family ministry to fathering his, the father of his being the father of his children and participating in all the swim meets and the ballet recital so um, that's some, some of what goes on in in Tennyson's life she's a mother of four wonderful children um, she actually has a, a ministry business of ballet, a ballet school, and um, she's done seminary work right at um, St. Louis at Covenant Theological Seminary. Yeah, yeah. So um, she's going to come and speak to her. We asked her to, to speak on the topic of body image, and so she came up with that really cool title, The Struggle is Real, Body Image in Light of the Gospel. And then thank you, Amber, for that lovely picture of the ballerina that you posted in, on Instagram and Facebook um, related to the topic. So anyway, we are very grateful. Tennyson actually um, had to miss one of her ballet classes to be here tonight. She's had to rearrange her schedule, but she um, is following the Lord's um, guidance in coming to pour into us tonight and we're grateful for that so at this point we'll go ahead and we will if you'll just bring your chairs we're going to make it won't be an actual circle it might be more of an oval if that's okay and we will set up over here so I wanted you to see what it felt like for everybody to be looking at you so I didn't want everybody just looking at me so <laughs> no, everybody's looking at me just kidding <laughs> just kidding um, thank you guys for coming out on a rainy night um, I'm excited to be here and share with you. Um, I wanted to kind of sit and I asked the ladies if we could kind of sit in a group, even though it's, it's a big group, um, because I just kind of wanted us to have a discussion tonight, if we can, if you guys would be willing to um, just open your heart a little bit and share with each other and share with me kind of where you are. And I just feel like sometimes when we kind of have a discussional format, it just opens up the room for the Holy Spirit to kind of have his way and to kind of lead the discussion. So that's kind of what the Lord laid on my heart tonight. And um, I, of course, have, you know, notes and, and things that I've thought through. Um, but I'm just trusting that God would just kind of lead our lead our time together tonight. Um, so as I was, of course, brainstorming this with my husband, trying to come up with a topic um, back several months ago, um, he's the, the creative one, sometimes with words more than I am. My creativity comes in, in different ways. And so he's the one that helps me come up with this, with the struggle is real. Um, because um, as I just kind of shared with him what was on my heart, um, that was kind of his, his catchphrase. I, that he said that a, a lot of young people say that. I don't know. Um, I am not young like you sweet girls. Um, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. I know um, you heard a little bit of an introduction, but um, I turned 40 last year, and um, I'm really excited about that, And um, because God has just really taken me on a journey of um, teaching me to be okay in my own skin. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted to share with you guys tonight, even though it, nece it hasn't necessarily always been what I would think of as a stereotypical struggle with like body image. It's had more to do with um, sort of my personality and how I relate to people or don't relate to people real naturally. Um, and just the challenges that God has put in my life as a pastor's wife, even though I don't really like to wear that hat. Um, 
So I've just been on a journey. I think I shared with you guys when I was here on the panel, those of you who are here, that I've just really been on a journey for probably the last 20 years of um, kind of learning who I was and then learning to be okay with who God created me to be. And so I feel like a lot of the things that God taught me and continues to teach me will apply to um, this discussion that we have tonight. Um, I just want to name it as a struggle before we get started, because I think we just need to call a spade a spade. Um, I think there's a lot of power in just saying that, you know what, this is a struggle. We live in a world that puts a lot of pressure on us that we would put on ourselves, even if we didn't live in the culture that we live in. And so the culture that we live in just makes it that much harder. And I think it's that much harder on you girls being in your 20s and 30s than it was even for me you know, 10 and 20 years ago, um, because we're so visual and everything is in our face all the time. We don't see words anymore. We see pictures, you know, everywhere we go. And so um, I just want to ask you guys to just enter in the struggle with me tonight and to just be honest with yourself and honest with each other, because I think that the key to winning this battle and, and making progress in this battle is to, first of all, name the struggle, call it what it is. Um, I also just want to speak to, before we jump in, the fact that I don't think that we're ever going to conquer the struggle here on this earth. I think we're going to continue to have the struggle living in the world. You know, um, the Bible tells us that we are aliens and strangers and that we are to be in the world and not of the world. And so there's going to be an aspect of this that you know, we're always going to struggle with. But I want to give you some tools tonight through God's word that I hope will help you have more victorious days than you have um, hard days. And that, but I don't think that it's fair to think of it as once we get this all right in our head, in our heart, we're not going to struggle anymore. Because I don't think that's possible in this world. And that's one of the things that we have to look forward to in heaven. Okay, so... I thought I would start with some statistics, which you guys probably know a lot of this, but I just thought, you know, it'd be fun to kind of think about body image and and what women think about and New Year's resolutions, which is why, you know, we're kind of doing this in January because we thought it would be good. Everybody goes to the gym. You know, Zach's been fussing that he can't go to the gym because it's really crowded in January. Okay, so 45% of Americans make a New Year's resolution. And of those, 38% are related to their weight. And 47% is related to some sort of self-improvement or education-related kind of thing. But only 8% of Americans are successful in in achieving their resolution. Only 8%. What do you think is missing? Any ideas? You think they're trying to do it in their own strength? Right? We just have we have this idea as Americans if we just work hard enough then we can fix ourselves, right? I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us. Um, there was a really cool um, study online if you have a chance. If you just Google like, um, I think it's like women in body image statistics or something like that. I found this really cool study that was done. You guys may have remembered it. I don't know. A couple years ago, the Today Show did this big, sh- this big spiel on women and how they view themselves. And like all the anchors um, went and did a broadcast without any makeup on. It was like a, a big deal. It was in 2014. So you can go back and, and see the details of that. But I just pulled a few statistics from this study that they did. 
They said that um, adult women worry more regularly about their appearance than they do about finances, health, family relationships, or professional success. Of course, men, it said, you know, men actually do too now, but not as much as women. Um, And then they said 77% of adult women and 80% of teen girls complained about their appearance to someone else at least once in the past month. So I think that's probably more than that. I mean, at least once, really. I probably complained yesterday, you know? (laughs) I mean, like, I think it's probably more than once. Um, And then it says nearly two-thirds of millennials which are probably most of you guys, those people ages 16 to 34 are considered millennials, worry, worry that people are judging their appearance. And 80% of teen girls compare themselves to glamorous celebrity images. So I have a few questions for you just to kind of get, um, get your thoughts rolling. And if you want to say, yes, I do that, or I can relate to that, then feel free to raise your hand and say, yes, I I struggle with that or I do that. But if that doesn't feel comfortable then to you, it's okay too. Um, okay, so when you're invited to an event, like somebody says, oh, you know, we're, have, we're going to the basketball game next week. What is the first thing you think about? How many of you think, what am I going to wear? <laughs> yes. What am I going to wear? Okay. Like it may even be like next year, you know. <laughs> what am I going to wear, right? Um, how many of you ask a friend what she's going to wear? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do that. How many of you look at magazines and people on the internet? I don't know. What do you guys, do you guys look at magazines anymore? Models, pop stars, <laughs> Pinterest. Yes. Yes. How many of you look at Pinterest and compare yourselves to the people that you see in those pictures? Wishing that you might have her hair or her skin or her butt or her chest or her eyes. Who does that? Anybody do that? I do that, right? Um, What percentage of your time, think about this, what percentage of your time do you spend getting ready each day? Or how long do you spend? How many of you spend an hour? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, at least an hour. How many of you spend at least an hour? Okay. How many of you spend 30 minutes? Including the shower, right? I'm a 30-minute girl, including the shower. <laughs> um, how much of your time do you spend shopping for outfits or shoes? I guess that's part of your outfit. Exercising. Going to, <laughs> or not exercising. Going to the spa or getting your hair done or getting that laser hair removal treatment or I just want you to really think about your nails think about how much of your time and your resources that you're spending on um, what you look like okay and you can kind of think of it in terms of percentage of your time Um, and let me just say here I'm not trying to like bring guilt on you tonight I'm just trying to get us to think about it okay and sometimes in that God does convict our heart and he makes changes but I believe that God convicts us convicts our heart and gives us the ability to make changes in any kind of like guilt and condemnation that you might feel that's not from God and that's not what I'm trying to to put on you I just want us to all kind of leave here challenged um, tonight so okay so what do you think when you look at yourself in the mirror what's something that pops in your head what's your response you walk if you walk down the mall and you pass a mirror and you oh oh, what do you think who's that anybody how pale pale you are okay 
<laughs> my legs are skinny. I have really weird chicken legs. Chicken legs, okay. That's what I think of. My face looks really weirdly shaped from the side. I, like I think that about myself too. Out, mm -hmm. my nose yeah, because I don't look at myself from the side, right. but like when I'm looking at the back of my hair on a mirror, I'll be like, ooh, my profile's weird looking. <laughs> anybody else? What's your response? Does anybody think, wow, thank you, Lord, that I have a nice head of hair? Mm. You do? Yay! Good! <laughs> you, you do? Good! Yay! Um, but the question is, do you go to the negative first? I mean, like when you look at yourself in the mirror, like do you remember when you were a teenager and you had like, that one really bad zit on your face. And when you looked in the mirror, that's all you saw. But like when you look at a kid, you're looking at their whole face. You're not just seeing that. So our eyes are like naturally drawn to whatever it is about ourselves that is negative, right? So I just want to kind of challenge that. Okay, how many of you look in a full length mirror from head to toe when you're fully dressed before you go out the door every day? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. How many of you look in the mirror to see how your clothes fit that day? How many of you are looking at your bottom or your tummy or you do that? I'm looking at my bottom to make sure it's hasn't grown anymore. Okay, good. All right. How many of you have a diet or exercise app on your phone? I do. How many of you have tried a new diet or exercise program in the last three months? Okay, okay. All right. Last question. What does the world tell us about the way that we're supposed to look? Perfect. What is that? Okay, it's a lie. But what, but what is perfect? Okay. Has it always been the same? No. So how has it changed in the last 20, 30, 40 years? It depends on who's famous. Mm-hmm. Sure. Agreed. Yep. Absolutely. Right. How much how many of you struggle with that with seeing friends on social media or that kind of stuff? How many of you compare yourselves to to each other's lives? Yeah. I mean, we all do, right? We all do. But what do you say? How do you deal with that? What do you say to yourself when you start feeling that way? I need to get over it because I have a good too. Okay. That works. Good. Yeah. You can go in two directions. You can mull over it and think about it over and over again. And that's only 
Yes. Good. Well, and that's exactly what we're here to talk about tonight. I just wanted to, I just really prayed through, okay, Lord, what, what do I do when I struggle? Um, and not just struggle in the area of body image, but, you know, just struggle in general. And um, so I just wanted to give you guys some tools. So the first one is to know what God's word says about our body. Okay, so I, I have a list of things that I came up with, um, but I wanted to know what you guys what do you know of God's word? What does God's word say about our bodies? Does anybody know? You don't have to know the reference or do you, or you can, but does anybody know what God's word said about our bodies? Mm-hmm. Temple. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Like Psalms 139. Yes. Yes. Made in God's image. Fearfully and wonderfully made, depending on your translation. Right? I think it's Corinthians that talks about. Yes. 1 Corinthians 6, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not your own. It has been given to you to honor God. What else? Yes. Romans. Our bodies are to be living sacrifices. And then the, and I love what it says right after that. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Oh, my goodness. I mean, like, God knew when he, that was in the Bible hundreds of years ago that our bodies. He's talking specifically about our bodies. And then he's saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Whew. I mean, does that ever apply to this issue of body image? Hugely. What else? You know anything else? I know you do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. What else? What about the way that we're supposed to decorate our bodies? Does the Bible say anything about that? Yes. Good. What else? We're not to put stock in the outward appearance, like what is it, braiding and gold mm-hmm. jewelry mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. First Peter three. So it says, "Let your adorning be what that of a and your inner heart, right?" And then we're also told that God looks at the heart. Man looks at our outward appearance, our outward appearance, but God looks at our heart. But does that mean that, you know, we should just roll out of bed every morning and not brush our teeth and brush our hair? <laughs> Is it okay that we get up and, you know, shower and do our hair and put our makeup on and that kind of stuff? I mean, these are real things to wrestle with, you know, just keeping that in perspective. Um, what does the Bible say about physical training? Does it say anything about exercise or physical training? Can anything come to mind? Right. Right. So First Timothy 4 says that physical training is of some value. I think that's kind of cool. It's of some value. It puts it in perspective. We are to take care of our bodies. Right? But godliness is more important. So here's a challenge that I kind of have thought about a lot in the last few weeks is for those of you who do exercise regularly, which I do, um, do you spend more time exercising than you do in God's word? I mean, that's kind of a challenge because of a, because of, you know, a normal rec workout could be 30 minutes to a normal people. <laughs> <laughs> Normal people who exercise work out between 30 minutes and an hour a day, right? 
Like, if you're one of those four-hour people, then let's talk afterwards. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they exist, you know. In, in order to have the body that the TV is telling us that we must have, then we would have to exercise between five and eight hours a day. I know. Who wants to do that? Not me. So, um, so I just want to challenge you. You know, are you spending equal or more time in God's word that you are exercising Putting your makeup on, buying your clothes, obsessing about what you're going to wear to that party next weekend or on that date Friday night. You know, just a challenge. I like challenges. Um, the other thing is, the, uh, the other thing, the other thing about taking care of our bodies was from 1 Corinthians 9 that says, discipline your body and keep it under control. Okay, so I think that that can, you know, apply to how we take care of our bodies. Um, we want to treat our bodies like they, um, as they are as a temple of Christ, a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I think that as we um, make choices about how to use our bodies and how we train them and how we nourish them. I'm going to talk about food just really briefly um, at the end. But um, think about what are you putting in? What are you putting in your body? You know, and why are you putting it in your body? And what are you using your body for? Okay, so let's, let's um, we, so we know what God's word says for the most part. Anybody else have any other? That, that hit all the ones I had listed. You got one? I was just thinking about Proverbs 31. Yes. She adorns herself in Correct. I agree. Keeping it all in perspective. Anything else before we go on to the next part? Okay, so one tool for fighting this battle is knowing what God's word says. Um, The next thing I think is, this is just so huge to me, is just knowing the truth of the gospel and how it applies to this particular issue. Um, You know, I kind of grew up in a church world where the gospel, when you say the gospel, it meant that... Jesus died for you. I believe it. I walked down the aisle and now I'm going to heaven. Okay. And so that's like just the like top layer of the gospel. The gospel is so rich and so true for our everyday life. And that's what I love about the truth of God's word. So in Romans 8, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So I would like to see each one of us find freedom from this struggle. Now, I don't think, like I said at the beginning, we're not going to just be like, okay, I'm done with that. I can go on to the next thing. I think we're going to continue to have the struggle. But we can find freedom moment by moment each day as we preach the gospel to ourselves and apply the truth of the gospel to this issue. So... Um, we are told that because of Jesus dying on the cross in our place, he has set us free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? What has he set us free from? Okay. Let's talk about sin for a minute. When did sin enter the world? Let's just get real basic here for a minute. At the beginning. At the beginning, right? With who? How did this? How did it happen? 
Okay, Eve, okay. Some say Eve, some say somebody else, right? What? No. Okay, so what happened to Eve? She was deceived by who? Satan. Satan, right? What was the lie that he told her? Okay, that what? She could be like God, right? Right, so essentially, if we kind of thought about that question and, or that lie that Satan told Eve, really the lie was that God has something better for you that he's holding out on you. Right? Was that true? The lie that he convinced her is that God could do so much more for you, but he, he, he's holding back. He didn't he didn't want you to be like him, so he's 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 holding back, right? So how is that lie like the lie that we believe about ourselves? Do you believe that about your own body? Do you believe that God made you? Do you believe that God created that you're his masterpiece? You're his workmanship. That's what God's word says. Do you believe that he thoughtfully picked out the color of your hair, the kind of skin that you were going to have, the shape of your body, whether you have hair or don't have hair? Do you think that he picked out all those things? Are you willing to trust him with that? Or do you believe that he second, that he, what is the word I'm looking for? Second changed you, that he, he's holding out. He could have given you something better. What does this word say? Because the truth of his word is what's going to combat this lie that we believe. You know, that God could have made me look like her, but he didn't. So we're actually complaining against God when we're complaining about the shape of our bodies or our personalities or, or whatever it is, the circumstances of your life. Psalm 84 says that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Second Peter 1.3 says he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And Romans 8.32 says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Here's the truth. He has given you everything that you need to be the person that he created you to be. And our job is to do the best we can with what we've got. Right? I have a very dear, sweet, 86-year-old papa. And he has lived since he was 18 years old with one arm. And back after the Depression, he went to work in a factory for free to prove to the man that he could do the job because he refused to not work and earn his living. And so his whole thing in life has always been, he's always taught me and my family, you do the best you can with what you've got. And I just thought about that as I was thinking about this time with us tonight is that you know what we have been given we've been given from God and the challenge is are you willing to trust him are you willing to trust him 
to be the person that he created you to be. So I believe that's the truth of the gospel as it applies to this, to this matter of how we view our bodies. The truth of the gospel is that you were made in God's image. And he made you exactly like you are so that you can best glorify him in the purpose that he's given you on this earth. So what is the result of the gospel? The result of the gospel is that we are in Christ Jesus. Okay? I love Paul. I Over 80 times he writes in the New Testament that we are in Christ Jesus. And I tell, this is, this is the picture that I paint for my little ballerinas. Okay? I, I train little girls from three to through high school. And this idea of being in Christ Jesus, this is how I like to think of it. When you go see the Nutcracker at the Fox Theater and you see the Sugar Plum Fairy usually played by, you know, the most skilled dancer that there is in the Nutcracker. She's beautiful, right? She's perfect. And you think, and I look at my little five-year-old dancer who's a mess. You know, she's got the hair sticking out and she's tripping over her feet and she doesn't know her right foot from her left foot. When she's dancing for God's glory, when he looks at her, he sees the sugar plum fairy. Okay? And that is what it means to be in Christ. When, G- when God looks at us, he sees his son. Because we're in Christ. He doesn't see our imperfections. He doesn't see the acne on my face. He doesn't see my rear end that I think is too round. You know, he sees perfection when you were his child. And that is the result of the gospel. First Peter 2 says that he chose us, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are his own possession. This is who you are. That's your identity. This is what I'm passionate about in this world that spills into everything I do with my students and with women and any kind of thing is that that is who you are. You are God's child. You're his. Like you could just take a big marker. His. Okay. So we don't have to be self-conscious about the way that we look or the way that we dress. We don't have to compare ourselves to each other because we're his. He created us all to be different and to all be just the way that we are. Ephesians 2, 4 says that we are his workmanship. That's like his artwork. Okay, so if you, I don't know how many of you are, Rachel, you're an artist, right? I can pick on you for a minute. So you spend hours creating something. And if somebody came in and was like, third grader could have done it, how would that make you feel? Happy, right? Right? So you think God feels kind of what we're saying to God. Oh, third grader could have done that. You don't think you could have done a better job on me? That's essentially what we're saying when we look in the mirror and we criticize ourselves or each other, you know, because some of this whole thing that women struggle with is because we're so critical about each other. I mean, we really are. Um, all right, so I've stomped on that soapbox, I think, enough. But that is kind of my soapbox about you guys to really understand what it means to be in Christ. And I think that if you can get your mind there every day, And that you can learn that your identity is that you are his child. 
that is who you are nothing else you're not who you who you look like you're not what you do professionally you're not how um blameless you walk or how many mistakes you make this today or how kind you are or how mean you are you are his child that defines you and i think that if we can get that in our heads then we'll relate to each other differently we won't be so critical to each other as women and that we can live and walk in a freedom that we haven't experienced before okay so the gospel is what what's the gospel that Jesus has what? He set us free from Satan's lie. From Satan's lie, which was what? What was Satan's lie? God's holding out on us, right? And his word teaches us that's absolutely not true. It's absolutely not true. Okay, and then the result of the gospel is what? That we're what? Yeah, we're free. We're in Christ. We're his child. That's who we are, right? In James 1, it says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So I encourage you that if you're struggling with this, and let's be honest, we all are on some level, whether it's from, you know, whether you struggle in this, the level of you know, a little bit of self-consciousness when you walk in a room and you wonder, am I dressed appropriately? Am I overdressed? Should I have worn different shoes? Because let's be honest, we all, we all do that sometimes, right? Or maybe this is really a big deal struggle for you, you know? And maybe, maybe it's a struggle for you in that you mistreat your body in a way that you're trying to find a certain image and you starve your body or you purge your body with exercise, Or maybe you use food for some other reason besides fuel. You know, so there's different degrees of the struggle. We all have the struggle. And let's just be honest. So the first thing, I I, I wanted to give you some practical tools. I'm hesitant to give people advice. I don't really like advice. Um, But I wanted to give you some tools tonight because then if I just talked in the theoretical, you'd leave here tonight going, okay, that was good, but what do I do now? So... um, The first thing that I really want you to do, if this is something, if anything that I have said resonates with you at all, is to talk to God about it. You know, I think our tendency is to seek advice or to give advice. And I think sometimes we forget that we can go to God. You know, I struggle for a long time to go to God when I'm struggling. I had this weird idea that I had to kind of get myself together first, and then I could be like, okay, God, I figured it out. Now I can come talk to you. And so I've really been on this journey to come to God when I'm, I'm in the mess or in the struggle and to let him just kind of love me through the struggle. So I encourage you to just be honest with him. You know, just be honest with him. God, I'm struggling with this and I need you to help me. And if you have a friend that comes to you and wants help, I encourage you to point them back to God first. I'm not saying that you can't help give advice or remind of God's word or you know, share how you might relate to this to the struggle or have something in common with that struggle. But be careful to point each other. We don't we don't need to be each other's saviors. You know? So I encourage you to go to God first and to put point others that way. And then after you've done that, don't struggle alone. You know, there's power in sharing your struggle. There's power in just saying it out loud. I mean, don't you feel 
better you just get it out you know so find that friend or find that group and just name the struggle because if you're hiding that struggle there's bondage there and it's going to be harder to break through and find find victory um kind of as we wrap up tonight and i want to leave a few you know a little bit of time for what you guys want to talk about what you guys want to discuss um let's talk about real quickly about your relationship with food okay because we can have we can have weird ideas of food and um some of us really love food and some of us just eat it because we have to you know and so what is food why do we have it what is the bible it's about food. What is it? What do we do with it? It's to sustain us. Right. Keep us going. Keep us going. It's fuel, right? Fuel for our bodies. But the Bible also talks about food being used in celebrations and weddings and, you know, religious events and all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't just have to be this real in-the-box legalistic view of food is fuel. You know, we can enjoy our food, Right can enjoy our food right but where food becomes an issue is where our sin gets wrapped up in it and it either becomes a control issue when we can't control other things in our lives we think we can control that if you look at studies of girls that struggle with eating disorders a lot of times it points to a control issue and a lot of times it has to do with a, a relationship in the family where somebody is trying to get control over the other person I'm not saying all times but a lot of times it does so sometimes when we're in a situation where we're trying to be really strict about what we're eating we're trying to control things in our world that we can't really control and we're using food to make us feel better and to comfort us that in that area. And then the other extreme of that, the other end of that spectrum, is that some of us eat food to comfort ourselves or to try to fill, fill a void that God didn't intend to be filled by anything but himself. But sometimes it's easier, you know, to reach for whatever it is that you go to as your comfort food than it is to run to God. I mean, I'm guilty of that, right? Because it's there. It makes me feel good right now. And everything else feels terrible around me, right? So I just encourage you to think about what your view of food is. Okay, I'm not here to like give you a diet plan or say, don't eat this and always eat that or, you know, that kind of thing. But just just take a minute and think about, you know, how do you, what is food to you? Do you have a healthy relationship with food? And if you don't, then ask the Lord to bring that into light and ask him to show you and to heal you from, from that. Okay, so I have a do and a don't. Okay, I have a do and a don't. Here's your do. When you are tempted to be in a bad mood about the way that you look or because you're having a bad hair day or because your pants are too tight today or whatever it is, when you're tempted to be in a bad mood, instead of complaining about whatever it is that's making you feel bad about yourself, why don't you try to thank God that you have hair 
you have clothes, that your body's in one piece. You're, you're relatively healthy. I mean, I can look around this room, and I know we all have our different things, but we all are kind of a healthy group of girls, right? So I think the temptation is to look in the mirror and be like, oh, I'm getting old. I have bags under my eyes today. No, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've given me 40 years of life. And I have all the wisdom that comes from it. <laughs> right? Even if I have bags under my eyes, right? Um, and then the don't is, you know, a lot. when I was in seminary, there was this lady who used to do all these talks on how to have hospitality and get, have people in your home. And one of the things that she taught us was that you shouldn't, compl- you shouldn't apologize for the way that your house looks when you have people over. The basic rule of hospitality. Oh, that's pretty, pretty good, pretty good rule, you know. Well, I just thought about it, applying it to this. You know, how many times do we apologize to each other about the way we look? Do you apologize to each other about the way you look? You know, especially on that day that I, you know, ran out the door to take my kids to school, thinking that I was just coming back home. And then, you know, five hours later, I've been to Target and Kohl's and, you know, I shouldn't be out running around looking like I do. And then I run into the neighbor down the street and I'm apologizing for the way that I look, right? Do you guys do that? Do you apologize for the way that you look? Do you think that brings glory to God? How do you think that makes him feel? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's okay, but I think it's something that we can be challenged on, we can think about. It's something that I definitely need to be think about, thinking about. So I think the heart of the matter is this. Do you believe God? Do you believe his word? Will you take him at his word? Do you trust him? All of us have a broken heart when it comes to this matter. Some of us, it's just a tiny little fracture. And some of us, our heart is broken in two. But I believe that God can bring healing and wholeness as you cling to him in this issue and you learn to trust him you learn his word and you learn to live out his word so i'm happy to spend the last five minutes talking about whatever it is on your heart or if somebody wants to throw out a question to the group or have a question for me or each other i might not know the answer but i'll tell you if i don't i promise i won't make something up Anybody? Why did you come out here tonight? Good. Good. Rachel's like, they pay me too. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> It's good. I think a fellowship is important. We all need that connection. You know, we all need to be with each other. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to try this format tonight, because I wanted you guys to have a sense of oneness in this and understand that you're not alone in this struggle. And God gave us each other as the body of Christ so that we don't have to struggle alone.
Okay. Because that's the time you really feel like, okay, I am being judged on <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know, yes. Um, how do you deal with that? How do you think that it comes across to the person you're on a date with if you're feeling insecure about the way that you look? Do you think that that's overall attractive to them if you're being insecure? Right, so I think that the more that you understand that God made you to look just like that and that you are beautiful. Now you may, you know, what's, what's a part of your body that you're like, I wish this was different. Can I put you on the spot? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, overall, just weight. Okay, your weight. Okay, so you're like, wish I was skinnier, right? Based on what standard? Right? So I think the truths that we've talked about tonight, as you evaluate your lifestyle, how you're spending your time, your view of food, all those things, and seeing yourself as God sees you as his child, the, the beautiful parts, what you think is the messy parts, God made all of that. And I think as you rest in that, you will develop a confidence, a godly confidence. You know, it's okay to be confident, I think that's what God calls us to. My daughter, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and she really struggles with the concept of confidence because she thinks that confidence is like being prideful. Mm -hmm. Okay? And there's a difference between having a godly confidence and being exactly who he made you to be and trusting him that he made you to look exactly (laughs) like you look. And you can be confident in that as you approach any kind of dating relationship. Because do you really want to spend the rest of your life with a guy who is criticizing you for the way that you look right now? Trust me, you don't. (laughs) It's better to be single for the rest of your life than to be with that guy. I promise. Marriage is hard. And you don't want to be with... if, If that is the most important thing to that guy, what your body is shaped like... Don't waste your time. I know that's easy for me to say because I got a good guy, but, you know, don't waste your time because God made you beautiful. And, and, you know, if if he's going to bring you a mate in this world, it's going to be somebody who sees you as the beautiful woman that you are. If they go blind as they get old, it's good stuff. Facilitate relationships in like an arm's length 
way, right. you know, how we can connect better, especially with people who, like, don't know the Lord. Right. It's interesting because if you, you know, if you survey a group of 20s and 30s, um, most of them will say, like, the number one thing that they're looking for out of church or, you know, life in general is community. <laughs> but yet they have no idea what community is because they don't even know how to pick up the phone and, and have a conversation, let alone, you know, sit across a cup of coffee and share with a friend. We just, we've, we're losing that in our world. I think that's what you're what you're speaking to. So I encourage you. Now, I don't think that you should just go out there and like vomit your struggle to everybody that you meet. (laughs) Because the the Bible says that we are to be wise and you want to make sure that somebody has, you've developed a relationship with somebody and that you have a certain amount of trust there. But I encourage you that once you, I encourage you to seek out those kinds of relationships and to invest in them. You know, like one of the things that I do kind of just naturally, I don't know that I necessarily do it intentionally, but around this time of year, I sort of just naturally examine my relationships and I think, okay, who does the Lord want me to pursue a relationship with this year? And there's been times that I have pursued relationships with other women that God has just been like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, why, God? Why can't I get to be friends with that person? And he just says... Nope. And for whatever reason, I just have to trust him with that. And then there's other times that God just, you know, opens up this beautiful new relationship, but it takes being brave. I mean, I think that's it. I think it's being brave. Once you've established a certain amount of trust there, you can share who you are because nothing is more powerful than for somebody to love you, mess and all. Right? I mean, a lot of you guys know that, or some of you guys know that I lost a very dear aunt last week. And, you know, it was so powerful to me. She loved me so well. She just loved me, you know, like in a way that not even my mom could love me because there wasn't that, you know how you have that relationship with your mom, which is good. I have a great relationship with my mom and I love her to pieces, you know, but there's that you know, like I do to my daughter, don't you want to comb your hair? Don't you want to, don't you think you want to wear something different? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like that, nope, not with an aunt. An aunt's like, oh, you're awesome. You know, like there's none of that. There's none, no part of me that really reflects on her so she can love me in a way <laughs> that a mom can't, you know? And that's what we can do for each other. We can love each other in a way because no part of you reflects on me. So that gives me freedom, but that, that requires us to be brave. And it requires us to take risks. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to get hurt. Yeah, I think that's, like, so important to be cognizant, to, like, affirm each other. You know, like, if someone shared something with you, to, like, affirm them. You know, like, for example, like, like with Instagram, you know, if I post something the least bit vulnerable, immediately, like, 15 or 20 people will unfollow me. And then you're like, you know... How are we like ever supposed to be real people? Right. When you know we can't. Like, because people are very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, but then usually in situations like that, two or three people will like come forward and say, you know, like, thank you for sharing that. I've been going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your vulnerability. And like mm-hmm. those those words are like so impactful. Mm-hmm. You know. So and those are the people that you should then be like, right. let's go to coffee. Let's walk together. Let's whatever it is that you, you know, how you, you can spend your time, you know, invest in those people that affirm your vulnerability. Right. 
because there's something powerful the Holy Spirit in you can pour into them. And even if they're not believers, you know, like my best friend in this world, when I first met her, she wasn't a believer, you know, and but we we still poured into each other and God had his hands all over that relationship. But it takes time, you know, and that's just something that we don't we don't set aside time in our culture to build relationships. If you think about the relationships in your life, most of them are kind of convenient, don't you think? Right? The people that are naturally around you. But let's be purposeful. And use this time. You know, I encourage you guys to use this time. I would love to see this time be a, a time where you guys can come and be real with each other and you cheer cheer each other on. Cheer each other on. All right, I have to wrap this up because I'm late five minutes. All right, so would you like me to pray for us to close us, or is there anything else you want me to do? Want me to pray for us? Okay. It's worth the time. Invest in each other. Invest in this ministry. You've been given an, an opportunity here to come, even if it's just once a month. And it takes time. You know, it takes time. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to come once and, and instantly feel connected to people. But, you know, invest. Invest for the year. See what God does. All right, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these women. I thank you that you just handpicked each one of us to be here tonight. And... Lord, we just praise you and we thank you that you do set us free from the law of sin and death. And we do not have to believe Satan's lie that you are holding out on us. We thank you for your word and that it teaches us that um, you have given us everything that we need to glorify you with the bodies and with the lives that you've given us. And I pray that you would help us to trust you, that you would help us to be conscious when we complain about what we've been given. Lord, I just I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict my heart in the areas that it needs to be convicted in each one of the hearts that is in this room. Lord, I pray that we would just become advocates for each other, that we would encourage each other, that we would have opportunities to remind ourselves and each other of the truth of your word. Lord, help us to be brave. Help us to be brave to name the struggle. Help us to be brave. Give us the faith that we need to trust you with what we've been given. Lord, where there's bondage, I pray that you will bring freedom. Where there's brokenness, I pray that you will bring healing. I pray that each woman in this room 
would look to you for that healing. And we know that you will be faithful. We thank you for this church and for this ministry. We pray that you would continue to lead and guide all that happens here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can I take this off now? <laughs> thank y'all for letting me come.